We're live. All right. Welcome, everybody, to Shave Baseball Report live from the Vino Bambino studio here in Charlotte, North Carolina. We got Todd Friedman, Andrew One Tool Zyke. We got a great guest coming on today, and uh, Clemson head coach Eric Backage. Great journey. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty. Pretty, uh, pretty wild. I mean, he's been in a power five since he started as a as a head coach. That's that's, right. that's pretty rare, you know, that you step in and that's your that's your gig. Yeah. Um, but a lot a lot of things going on. Um, flying up to Maryland Saturday, going to speak at the uh, Mount St. Mary's first pitch banquet with Frank Leone, who's one of my favorite people out there, one of the classiest guys around. Yeah, and that's a great honor. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I've done some things like this before, obviously, and uh, you know, I've had some good experience. I actually flew up last year to uh, to Burlington, Iowa. That was interesting. That's wow. what, that's what, feel the dreams, right, dude? Yeah. Well, uh, no, no, no. Um, okay, yeah, it was I wasn't in the field of dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Burlington, Iowa, man. You weren't in little, the movie? No, a little bit, a little bit. There. I didn't come out of any cornfields or anything like that. But that that was interesting because you got to fly into Chicago right, and then you got to right. take a little like. You know, a jet where you got to bend, not even a jet, it's a prop plane. You got to bend over and you got to walk, you know, into the plane and you buckle up. Sure. And, you know, the, the pilots are right there in front of you. And um, so that was wild going in. It was a beautiful flight going in, yeah. coming out. The engine shut down. I on remember you side, telling me this. Yeah. And we had to circle back. Yeah. And I thought, man, I, I'm dying in Burlington, <laughs> Iowa. It's over. You know, those are good. Those are probably good talks for you to talk to a group of college players, you know, different mm-hmm. levels to kind of can go different directions. So that's a. It's, 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 yeah. it's, you know, it's a different journey for these kids than it was yeah. for me, man. I, I would, I, even though I went to Maryland, you know, I went there because my father went there and he reached out to, to coach Jackson at the time. And, you know, he said he can, you know, he can field, he can throw, he can run. You get to knock the bat out of his hands the first year, which take him. And, you know, he showed up to watch me play and I stepped in a hole before the game even started. We were taking yeah. in and out and never saw me play and mother fed him two bottles of wine. And he said, I'll take him, man. And then, uh, <laughs> I never came off the field for three Fantastic. years there. So it was, it was, uh, it worked out, but there was no recruiting process to me. I mean, everything, right. everything in our world at that time on Long Island was, was Neil Heaton was out there, you know, and Neil was the yeah. big, the big dog across the country. And, you know, we had played on the same team as he did. And, um, and everybody showed up, all scouts showed up, recruiters showed up for him. But as soon as he was off the mound, everybody folded up their chairs and left. So, right. you know, we was just a bunch of baseball rats enjoying it. I had no idea where I was going. I had no idea what the ACC was or any conference. I'd, sure. You know, I thought I was going to work for the town of Brookhaven, you know, get 20 years in. And, <laughs> That's right. You know, I might've been on the back of a garbage truck for all I know, you know, <laughs> I, they easily could have worked. I probably would have liked that. Though. You took the better fork. Oh yeah. I, I, I road, did. Yeah. I did. So somebody kind of forced me down that fork. I That's don't know right. which way I was going. Good. Um, but yeah, so it's cool when I talk to these, the, these kids, cause it's, you know, the journey is different. Um, but you know, in the end, like I said, for me, you know, the biggest takeaway from everything I've done in, in the game is, is, is the people and the friendships and, and the sure. lessons. I mean, these guys have no idea how they're getting dripped on all the time with life lessons and, that's right. You know, and to be fortunate enough to get around good people like Eric, like right. I had with Coach Jackson, you know. Um, that's right. You know, he's 95 years old and I still talk to the man. You know, oh, that's it's, great. Uh, yeah. You know, it's pretty special. And he's um, he's he's a big part of why I stayed in this game. And I'm sure Eric's, you know, will will tell us why he, you know, the people that he came into contact with yeah. and while he'll be, yeah. you know, continuing on and carrying legacies with him. You right. Know, we, we carry a little bit of everything. Well, I think uh, in any field you're in, I don't <clears> care if it's, you know, baseball, football, finance, whatever it is, your influences dictate yeah. uh, how you matriculate down the road. Right. And so obviously with you, with me as well. Uh, and I'm sure like, like we said, with coach package, it's going to be the same thing. You know, it's just, you, you, 
the longer we stay in the game, the more people we find that have the same passion, yeah. you know, and they, and that's, you know, passion's a word that gets thrown around. People don't realize, but regardless, I mean, this game is, you know, this game has been everything to me. It's that's given right. me everything in my life, um, you know, good and bad, but more good than bad. Oh yeah. And uh, I wouldn't change a thing. People ask me all the time, like, you know, it's, you know, it's 14 years in the game, eight and a half years in the minor leagues, riding buses up, down, sent down, you know, never released, but you know, getting called up, sent back down or make a team get sent back down or you know, a lot of disappointments along the way. But I loved every single minute on the field. Yeah. You know, every, every level that I was at to me was my big leagues. That's right. how that's, that was the mentality. <laughs> was it was because, you know, th this game is finite, man. It's over. You get sure. done playing, you hang it up. It's, you know, sure. as a player, it's, it's done. That's why oh. I living, living through Dylan a little bit now, but you know, I got it. I <laughs> got a good thing in, in yeah. a way, man. Yeah. I just, I just got to sit way in the back of right field. Yeah. You know, and uh, and just watch and enjoy and, and appreciate, you know, where he's going. It's it's hard. It's hard as a dad, you know, especially, you know, to play the different levels and things that I've done to to watch a kid and hope that he gets the same thing that you get, sure. even though the reality is it may not happen. I think he has the tools to do it, you mm -hmm. know, but, you know, smaller drafts now. Um you know, they're, they're, they're flipping guys out of pro ball in a heartbeat. Nobody right. lasts as long as, you know, 14 years in the game, you know, and, you know, as many, many days as I spent in the minor leagues before I even got to the big leagues, that doesn't happen anymore. Um, but I just, I'm watching him evolve and I'm watching him grow as a man on the field and I'm watching him fit into uh, a level of the game that, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you're always concerned, right? I mean, you, you, you know, you're pushing your kid to the next yeah. level and, you know, had some great options to uh, to go play and, you know, some power fives and some mid-majors. And, you know, this was the right place for him. It was it was the right place and the right guy um, I think, to play for. Listen, I think <clears throat> at any age, and especially now, you're right in the thick of it with your son in college. Even for me, my son as a 10-year-old, you know, mm -hmm. I just want to be a part of it, right? I mean, you obviously want your your kids, since you played at a high level, you want them to learn the game the right way, right? right? That's number one. That's why I got into youth coaching. Mm -hmm. You know, but obviously seeing his, you know, how much he loves it and wants to do it without my help yeah. is, is even better. You know? That's and that's so, the beauty of yeah. it. Right. I mean, they For just sure. when these kids again, we're, we're in a we're in this kind of um, strategic time frame for players. The parents think they got to go for lessons all the time and they got it. And it's all structured. Right. And it's, uh, you know, and, and there's a lot of bad out there. There's a lot of bad information out there. but There's a lot of good information out there. But, you know, you, you, your greatest development comes from figuring yourself out. Sure. And, you know, you, you get put in the right situations and how do you how do you handle the challenges and, you know, how good do you really want to be? You know, well, it's funny. I, I one of the questions I'm glad you brought that up. One of the questions, which I, of course, uh, didn't uh, bring my sheet, but I have it on my text is uh, I'm going to ask Coach Backage about the two, the two, you know, way athlete, the two sport mm -hmm. athlete and and where that has gone in new sports. And it's so centralized to you got to play baseball 12 months out of the year. Well, we learn mm -hmm. different body movements and, and uh, strengths by playing other sports and. I'd like to hear his uh, opinion on that for sure. Yeah. You know, a lot, a lot of, a lot of your development also, you know, doing different things along the way. But when you get into the environment of colleges, it's, it's the guys around you, you yeah. know? So oh, the yeah. guys that I played with at Maryland, you know, we, we, we were a different breed. We were gamers. We were grinders. You know, we went after this, uh, this scenario, um, not because it was a selfish type of thing. It was because we, you know, we, we, we were a gang. That's right. You know, we were a gang and we were rolling out that way and we played that way. We were all blue collar kids that came from different, uh, you know, different areas of, of the Northeast. But I, that's kind of scary now because a lot of that's changing with the portal. You yeah. know, nobody has that, that, um, 
you know, their loyalty to, to, you know, to yeah. the school and to, you know, this is, they committed to me, I'm committed to them. That's and, right. you know, and, uh, because I, I, you know, like I said, the text thread and these guys are on here, you know, the, the, the guys that I went to Maryland with and, you know, Scott Venerelli donated money for Aaron United to build this studio, you know, one of yeah. my teammates back then. So that's great. Um, awesome. you, you hope that, uh, some way, somehow the NCAA figures out how to massage that down a little bit and, and, and keep these kids, you know, engaged in their program and proud of the, you know, the history of the, of their school, which, you know, Eric's at now, you know, Clemson has a huge history, oh, the best. Um, you know, and it's, uh, you know, it's over a hundred years of baseball, you know, yeah. and, but yep. you know, you just can't go in there and, and bounce out, man. You know, you want right. to be a part of it because it is, it is forever. Right. I mean, you, you know, as, 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 Difficult it is is for me sometimes with Maryland, you know the the institution, not the team, and all that other stuff. This is these guys, are my brothers, man. That's They're right. Turk brothers, and uh, so uh, we go down that that road. Andrew, we're done with our USA camp month, right? Done USA with our, baseball big, camp our big month. month. Yep. Yeah, it was a good month. Great month. Yeah, yeah. All, all the camps were basically at capacity, and yeah, people got great. to learn some some good stuff. I know you had a couple Ken, kids that went in there. I had a ten year old go to the, and he was the youngest by far. Yeah. I think. <laughs> um, and he <clears throat> absolutely loved it. Um, couldn't, couldn't stop talking about it the other day when, uh, when I saw him. So, and he said he learned a lot that Chris was awesome. And yeah, yeah. so yeah, really appreciate it. Yeah. We had Trent Mongero. We had Trent Mongero yeah. and Tava Mongero in here. That was yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they, that's what's their third time in here now. Might be fourth. Um, yeah. could be their fourth. Chris I'm, 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 I'm big on those guys. Obviously they're yeah. friends they're and things great. like yeah. that, but sure. what, you know, I'm not an acronym guy. Right. You know, you can't give me a bunch of letters and expect me to remember that. Okay. <laughs> Just show me what I got to do, man. Let's go. Right. Let's, let's get after that that's part. Right. Um, and then, so we had Vasami's hitting camp mm -hmm. yep. and then Chris Reyes catching camp. Yep. And, uh, it was, uh, it was a good month. It was That's a good month, month here at the, at the, uh, at the facility. And uh, so something crazy happened, um, in Wichita. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It's in Kansas. It might be Wichita. Um, they cut down a Jackie Robinson statue, bronze statue. They got it on video. They, people tried and they found it burnt. They were trying to melt it down for the, did they for, find him? I, I don't know if they found the guys. I just saw the video this morning. That's but, terrible. Uh, it's brutal, man. It's like, yeah, you yeah. know, it's Why? what what is sacred? Anything? Nope. I, no. Guess well, not. No. Well, no. I mean, yeah. It's terrible. But so again, somebody'll somebody'll build a new a new statue. Part of our, you know, our facility here. I mean, we have quotes from Jackie Robinson mm -hmm. on our sure. on our building out here and um, so that and feel the dreams. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So it's uh Love that part of it. Love the game. Love the history of the game. And I hate that people just kind of a lot of people don't even recognize the history of the game anymore either. I mean, I grew up, you know, wanting to know who played in the '60s and the '50s and things like that. Now it's it's not that way. It's uh, it, it's like a microwave version. Like what's right. you know what's what's instant gratification right now instead of um, yep. you know you're involved in a game that's supposed to take you to certain places. You think you would want to know as much as you possibly could about the game and 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 who in the past. Totally um, agree. You know, his uh, has carried the torch because you get the, you get a chance to carry it. You know, you, you best do it right. But um, so, you want to do the intro, or you want me to do the intro? To uh... why don't you do it? You do it. <clears throat> so right. You do it so eloquently. Oh so, yeah, I yeah. Know. It's, it's a long <laughs> WWE intro. No f bombs right. in this one, brother. <laughs> I got this one cleaned up. I think. I hope. Okay. Yeah. Um, really special guest. We're gonna bring on is uh, head coach at Clemson now. Eric Backage has a. Um, a really, really cool journey um, at a high level pretty quickly. You know, a yeah. uh, California kid, Juco player, goes to ECU, 
Um, plays a little bit of independent ball, then jumps out and he jumps into Clemson right That's away, right. like 21 years ago, yep. uh, as a volley. Um, and then moves on with uh, with Corbin to Vanderbilt and spends a period of seven, eight years there. Then, uh, heads over to Maryland, That's right. uh, which is our alma mater, my alma mater, and all the guys, a lot of the guys that are sitting here listening to the uh, to the show right now, uh, takes a program there that is limped forever. It's been in the ACC, but the baseball program never got the the love or attention that it needed from the university, sure. and it was a uh, but it was the right guy, and, and Eric would go back and tell you in that process. You know, myself and Rick Fur had a lot to somewhat say in the, in the matter, and you know, and Eric knows I I brought um, Mike Schilt to the table and thought that was a, the number one guy at the time, and um, Eric got the job, and he did a great job for three years there, and obviously it worked out for both guys because you know here he is, he goes from Maryland <laughs> to Michigan, and and now he's now he's you know now he's a number nine team in the country with a, a storied. Um, storied background and history but um you know schultz did the manager of the padres and had the job with the uh so i guess mike's probably happy he didn't get the job and eric is uh and eric you know like he's done everywhere else he's whatever he's gone in he's kicked the door down and he's done a good job and he's um he's always been loyal to that program that he's with and um i dove heavy into his uh you know all his stuff all his wikipedia and you know all his uh introduction speeches and all that so um now he's at Clemson, so we want to bring on uh, the head head coach from Clemson University, Eric Backage. Welcome <laughs> to the Vino Bambino Studio. That's, that, right. that's not Scott Venerelli. That's the Bambino behind us right here. So, no, Scott Scott Venerelli is much better looking than that statue. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know where he's pointing at either. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, Shane, thanks yeah. for having me. I think you you picked the the right guy because uh, I think we can all say that. Uh, Mike Schilt's success is is pretty unprecedented, and uh, what a track record he's had. So, uh, but yeah, it's it, but we're both fortunate that things worked out the way they did. But uh, Todd, Andrew, Shafe, man, yeah. thanks for having me. Appreciate you guys. It's great. Thanks, thanks coach. for hopping yeah. on. Yeah, appreciate yeah. it. Um, so go ahead, Todd. You want to? Yes. Yeah, so, so I think before we're, you know, coach, we're going to talk about some recruiting. You know, uh, you know what's happening in college baseball, but obviously we want to know about your journey. I know Shafe's kind of uh, touched on a little bit um, your influences, obviously coach LeClaire, coach Leggett. Um, if you can give a little insight on, you know, why you became a college baseball coach, that'd be great. Sure. Yeah. Well, I, I was fortunate to play for great coaches and even growing up as a, as a young player in California, and I just wasn't that good. And I, but I was very passionate, wanted to be better and didn't have the opportunities coming out of high school that, other kids had to go on. They were they were at the top of their game and ready to go to Division One. I. I was not at the top of my game and needed to, you know, needed uh, you know, few little longer in the oven, so to speak, to mature and and mentally and physically. And so junior college was the route. I had a uh, great opportunity, San Jose City College, where you know was able to to take that jump and be ready to go. Uh, and I decided to go all the way across the country to East Carolina. And luckily, there was a connection uh, between my coach, Keith LeClaire, and the, the junior college that I played at, uh, because when Coach LeClaire previously was at Western Carolina, he had recruited a guy from there. And so he called up and said, hey, I just got the job at ECU, putting our first recruiting class together. We need some older guys to come in and maybe make an impact. And, you know, what what's out there? What do we got? And so I was lucky enough to go out there. And that was really the moment that... I realized I was not going to be a, a business major. 
uh, went to school as a business management uh, major, and that was what I was pursuing as a degree. But after being around Coach DeClaire uh, for just one semester, I changed my major to exercise science and knew that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to make the impact on people that he made on our team in a very short amount of time. Uh, one of those coaches that, you know, you would just run through a wall for and, um, you know, he had the unique ability to just take take a group of guys from all different backgrounds, California kids, a couple kids from Canada, a bunch of kids from North Carolina in the Southeast and and just make it a very tight circle and a bunch of guys who thought they were 10 feet tall and bulletproof. And I was just very drawn to that and uh, and wanted to do that. And little did I know at the time I was joining the Jack Leggett coaching tree, but it was by far the best move I could have ever made. And that's, you know, to this day, best advice I can give young people is, Surround yourself with good people. Yeah, that, that's yeah. awesome. So, Eric, you wear number twenty-three. Um, that was uh, Keith's number at ECU. Is that correct? Yes. So, in honor of him, every day you put that uniform on. Is that when you put that twenty-three on, and it says Backage on the back? Does it really mean Backage, or does it mean Keith Leclaire? Yeah, twenty-three is is a number that there's. It's a shared number of a lot of people that played at East Carolina that played for Keith, Coach Keith LeClaire. Um, You know, the the quick version of his story is he tragically passed away at a way too young age of Lou Gehrig's disease, and there were six of us uh, on that nineteen ninety nine and two thousand team that ended up getting into college coaching and made a promise to him to continue his legacy to to continue his inspiration uh, and we wear number 23 and we made a promise that we would get to Omaha for him because he never got to go and ultimately what what gets us out of bed and what drives us guys like myself our our current uh, assistant head coach here at Clemson Nick Schnabel the head coach at East Carolina Cliff Godwin the recruiting coordinator at UCLA Bryant Ward uh, we had other guys way back then that jumped into college coaching too, like Joe Hastings and Ben Sanderson that were all part of that team. Uh, you know, Clayton McCullough's, uh, you know, coaching for the, in the big leagues with the Dodgers was on that team. I mean, just an incredible group of guys. Uh, but we all pledged to make sure that everybody we got the opportunity to coach would have the same experience that we did because we can all say that our experience as a, as a student athlete at East Carolina, as a, as a player, is priceless. There's no amount of money we would trade for that experience and the relationships that were built. So 2002, um, you're, done, you're done playing. You go, to, you go to go over to Clemson as a volley. That's the same year that uh, the coach LeClaire passes in 2002. Um, that impact, that 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 feeling for you, you know, knowing that you're, you know, you're taking his promise forward with you, but no longer there. Yeah. So he he was diagnosed Shafe in 01, but the the disease attacked him really really quickly, and so by the start of that 02 season, you know, he was on a ventilator, he was on a feeding tube, and and this is part of the the you know, just how miraculous his story is is. You know, he can only blink. Uh, and he fought that battle, couldn't talk, couldn't do anything um, but blink. And he he fought that battle with Lou Gehrig's disease for five years. He actually passed away in July of 06. But 2002 was the last year he he was able to coach. And he coached at the end of that year from, from the van. 
like a medical van that was able to, you know, his wheelchair and everything. Um, and so before he lost, you know, just the ability to talk and, and have that muscle function, he called Coach Leggett at Clemson. I was, like you mentioned in the intro, I, you know, wasn't very good. I was an independent league player. And, uh, and I was like the guy that couldn't hang him up, you know, and I was just trying to play and trying to play. And uh, I think I held the record. I'm the only volunteer independent league player in the history of the independent leagues. Um, but anyways, um, I'm, I'm like trying to play. I don't need a contract. Just want an opportunity. And he's, he's walking by the cages one day. This is like, you know, October of, of, of 2001. And uh, he says, you know, there's a, a volunteer coaching position open at Clemson. And I said, really? I said, is that something you think I should be interested in? And then I proceeded to take like this uphill tilted awful <laughs> swing. And he looked at me and he said, yes. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> you, you, need, you need to do that. Um, so he, uh, he made the call to Coach Leggett. Like the next week, I'm driving from Greenville, North Carolina to Clemson, South Carolina. Like get up at 3 a.m., get there at 9 a.m., and then I meet Coach Leggett, Tim Corbin, Kevin O'Sullivan. Like that's the coaching staff at Clemson. Crazy. So little did I know, three three future Hall of Famers, and yeah. it was just like you know, match made in heaven. It was like this is this is where I belong. I found my people, you know, and uh, for for the coaching world, obviously, and um, and so you know, I'll always be indebted to Coach Leclaire for uh, for that and being a part of the Coach Leggett coaching tree and. Uh, and then it, it, you know, that was kind of, he had already been diagnosed with ALS at that time, but it, it got pretty severe in the, in the subsequent months. Uh, and so, um, you know, but the, but the fight that he had, that was, that was a huge inspiration to so many people. He made more of an impact, uh, just, just giving people the perspective of how priorities matter and how his fight with Lou Gehrig's disease had allowed him to put his priorities in order and he would send us these daily devotionals about how uh, his priorities in life. He, he was very clear. Number one thing for him now was his relationship with God. Number two was his family. And then number three was baseball. And so he would send these messages and he'd be typing them with his eyes, you know, with the eye gaze laser machine on the, on the keyboard with his wheelchair and just incredible uh, the, the inspiration that he, that he was and is and, the impact he had on so many people. So uh, I, I it will be forever indebted to him and uh, and obviously to Coach Leggett as well for the opportunity to start coaching and then getting connected to, to Coach Tim Corbin, who, you know, kind of, uh, you know, taught me everything I could ever learn about recruiting and just kind of how to be a coach um, at, at, the, at a high level, you know, when you go from volunteer to all right, you know, now this is these different set of responsibilities as a recruiting coordinator. You know, it's, uh, you know, Leggett gives you a lot of credit. Uh, I'm sorry, Corbin, Tim Corbin gives you a lot of credit for the success of Michigan, um, Michigan baseball, sure. and uh, but more or less the success of Vandy, Vandy baseball, uh, when you were coming there, the big piece. So you guys kind of ran that road together, pretty, pretty fresh in the game as coaches and, uh, and built up a pretty good program there. Well, you know, Coach Corbin and his wife, Maggie, I mean, Vanderbilt was going to be a skyscraper no matter what in the college baseball world, just with who, who he is as a person and who they are as a team, um, he and his wife. Uh, just she's been an incredible mentor to, to my wife, and he obviously has been an incredible mentor to, to myself. And 
just seeing him uh, instill a blueprint of how to build a program was just something that, um, you know, I couldn't have couldn't have asked uh, for better, you know, in the fire type of learning, uh, you know, because coming to Clemson, Clemson was a household name is, you know, we were number one in the country most of that year in 02. And then we're going to Vanderbilt. And Vanderbilt hasn't even been to a regional since 1980, hadn't even been to the conference tournament in seven years. And so it was instilling something totally different, which was a belief system in the players that this could be done. And watching how Coach Corbin did that, you know, those early years, just incredible. Coach Corbin's running the the football stadium steps, doing the mental toughness work. We're in it, doing it with the players. I mean, just really, um, you know, leading by example with what Coach Corbin was doing and, and instilling um, you know, life lessons in, as part of the teaching and the curriculum beyond just the baseball field. And that's something that was just one of the biggest, most light bulb unlocking things for me as a young coach to see how he was molding and shaping these guys as men, as future husbands, as future fathers, as leaders, and watch how that trickled down onto the baseball field. That's great. And then, you know, obviously, coach, going to to Maryland, your first head coaching job, uh, you know, position, um, and then kind of the, the the thing I, I really wanted to ask you was the 2019 Michigan team going to the World Series. Like, when do you know you have you know a special program like that? You know, especially being a school from Michigan, Big Ten, powerhouse conference. How was that run, and and when did you know that team was that special? Well, it's, you know, you got to go back a lot of years. Um, you know, Michigan had had great moments uh, in the past. The 80s was a dynasty, um, but it just, it had these pockets of success, but wasn't able to sustain it. And I think you just, you, you have to, in order to get to 2019, you, you got to go back in time and just kind of understand how to, how to how to leverage the strengths of everywhere you're at. So if it's if it's a place like Maryland, you know, who doesn't have the support of the school like Sha- like mm-hmm. Shafe mentioned, but they do have a very passionate alumni base with guys like himself and Rick Fur and Mark Chiardi and Scott Venerelli and my man himself, Jim Mraz. And then we wouldn't have done anything without the ultimate turtle head himself, Bob Turtle Smith. Uh, and, and Bernie Walter and Matt Swope, who's the head coach there now, uh, joined, let, quit, a, quit a six-figure job to join a, a made-up job on our home run club, which was a club we literally made up. Like we just were trying to fundraise, but we had this great alumni passion. And so Bernie Walter and I, the late, great Bernie Walter and I, were just, you know, spent a lot of time with these awesome alums and and we were able to do some things, you know, whether it's a leadoff banquet or putting up a hitting facility and just, you know, started to get people talking about Maryland baseball and and believing in it. And then to get to 2019 in Michigan, you know, first we had to overcome a lot of inertia because it was like it's too cold, it's too cold, it's too cold. You can't play in the cold. And we're like, screw that. Like, we're, we're not only going to not make an excuse about the cold, just like we didn't make an excuse about the things we didn't have at Maryland, but we're going to actually make it a strength. So we made it a strength at Maryland to saying we're blue collar. And we made it a strength at Michigan saying, you know what? We're tougher. We're going to go outside in the cold. We're not even, we have an indoor facility, but we're not going in it. If it's above zero degrees, we're going to, we're going to practice and train outside in the snow. Screw it. Right. And it just is like, we now there's a still to this day on the building you can't get hot if you don't know the cold right and so it was just like turning the the things that the perceived weaknesses into strengths 
And then that helped us filter out through a lot of kids that may have been, you know, um, they didn't want to come play in a, what was a perceived cold climate and then immediately attracted some tough kids like Tommy Henry and Carl Kaufman and Jeff Criswell, who formed our rotation, all Michigan kids uh, for that 2019 team. All three of them were second rounders, our Friday, Saturday, Sunday starters. And so, you know, it just it started to started to we started to create some really good momentum for ourselves because we we started to take away all the all the, uh, you know, that what would be the, the ammunition um, in the offense for people who are saying it's too cold. You know, we led the nation in draft picks in 2017. We had 11 draft picks in 2017 and we led the nation in top top three round picks in the combined drafts of 19 and 20. So the, from a player development standpoint, it had nothing to do with the cold. We, we were good. We were getting good players. We were developing players and development had to be our niche because we weren't, we weren't getting top 10 ranked recruiting classes. Uh, so player development had to be the thing. It had to be the thing that we hung our hat on and we were going to unlock potential. And I would sit here and tell you today, like that still is what winds my clock. I, I caught like head baseball coach is my title, but unlocking human potential is all I think about, all I care about, all I want to do. I love it. And it just so happens I get to do it through coaching college baseball. When, um, so when, when I'm looking through everything that uh, he locked up here, see, all right. Um, I don't know if he can, um, I don't know if he can hear us or not, but. I, I hear you guys. Oh, okay. Just, so just yeah, the, the picture. So when I was, when I was reading everything, you know, about <laughs> Eric and, and the, the journey and through Michigan, all that, when you, uh, when you did your introductory at Michigan, there was, there was a sign that was up, I don't know, it was above the lockers or wherever you were doing it. It said, for those who stay here, you'll become champions. And pretty poignant, you know, going into a school like that and everybody's giving right. you all these reasons not to, uh, and you take that position, um, and that's something that you know we'll, when we when we dive into the portal part here. But you know that that's that's gonna be able to believe in you when you when you step in there, and that's you know that's just success with great leaders is, is people believing in you. But that worked out. I mean, that you know where did that come from? Was that something along the way that you just kind of you know, uh, you know built in your head, and you decided, okay, this is because you know you want to keep people around, obviously. You know, you want to like do coaching, and then all of a sudden, you know, you get kids that can throw snowballs and not baseballs up there. But, um, yeah. Now, Shafe, that is that belongs to one of the greatest coaches of all time, any sport, Bo Schembechler, okay. and um, the legendary football coach at Michigan. Uh, the guys like Coach Harbaugh played for, and, and many, many greats. Um, but that was his saying: "Those who stay will be champions," and that is kind of the. If you don't know that saying as a as a uh, employee at the University of Michigan, then you don't get to work there, right? Um, so that's that's on every wall, that's on every in every building in the athletic department. Those who stay, and those who stay will be champions. Uh, you know, and the the team, the team, the team. Part of Bo Schembechler's famous speech. So uh, I think that was it's a great message um, when it was given. You know, 50 years ago, and still holds true today especially in an ever-changing world kind of this segue into the portal talk like you're mentioning right yeah so now you're now you're at clemson um congratulations obviously that's uh you guys are uh you know th there's a history there there's expectations there with expectations there's uh, there's pressures and you know i've always kind of 
felt like, you know, expectations and pressures are a privilege, right? I mean, we're put in a situation that's pretty cool. Okay. If I have the pressure of, you know, being, you know, two outs in the bottom of the ninth and winning run on second base and going to the plate, that's a privilege, right? It's not, it's pressure, but it's it, same thing with expectations. When people expect things of you, um, that does come with a pressure, but you know, you'd rather be in that scenario than just kind of cruise through here. You have great expectations at Clemson, obviously, uh, you know, storied history, but no college World Series victory, right? So that's got to be, it's got to be paramount. Omaha, everybody wears Omaha, and I'm going to Omaha, going to Omaha, but I mean, you get the win in Omaha. And, and, and they, they you've been there, you've tasted it. Um, I know you're hungry for it. I mean, it, it's, it's your makeup. Um, I'm sure that passion is running through the clubhouse down there. Uh, the preparation for, the expectations and the pressures are what at this point for uh, for you, the staff, and the players at Clemson. Yeah, I mean, it's look, you know, every every competitor, every high achiever, they they want to compete on the biggest stage with the brightest lights, with the highest stakes, right? And so I I fell in love with with Clemson 22 years ago when I got to come here the first time, and and you know, it changed the trajectory of my life. So I'll always, you know, have always and always will hold this place with a lot of, you know, reverence. It's almost like a, like you would about your alma mater. Uh, for me, it was the start to, to get, to get to start coaching. And so, you know, it's just a different, different love and you have a, you know, you have a different love for every place that you, you share your blood, sweat and tears with, but here it's, you're right. It's a, it's a different, perception from the college baseball community, the Clemson community. Uh, Clemson baseball has always been a blue blood program uh, from when Bill Wilhelm was here to Jack Leggett to Monty Lee. It's always been a great program, uh, a great program, but doesn't have a national title on its resume. Clemson hasn't actually even played for a national championship. Um, so there's a lot of upside in, in the things that we could do, ultimately trying to summit the, the highest mountain. Uh, but Clemson hasn't been to Omaha since 2010. And so really it was uh, looking at an opportunity to go to um, a program with a level of support in a part of the country that you really have no excuses, right? I mean, there's no reason why Clemson baseball shouldn't compete at the highest level um, to be one of those last teams standing, if not the last team standing. And so it was just an opportunity. My wife and I, you know, she's, she's a Southern girl. She grew up in Tennessee, her family's a couple hours away in Georgia. So it just made a lot of sense for a lot of reasons. And, uh, and for us, you know, it just, we, we jumped at the opportunity and uh, felt like, you know, we, we had uh, fulfilled that promise it, it, with Michigan, that 2019 team will, will be, you know, always be celebrated. And, and that's ultimately what you're doing as a coach is you're just trying to, trying to create those celebratory moments for the kids that you get to coach, you know, those Christmas morning, just true joy and seeing the expressions on their faces that just, you know, that's, it's just burned in in your mind. And so, yeah, Shafe, I, not only experienced it in 2019, but instantly became addicted to it, right? And now it's like every day is we got to get back there. 
and it's just it's just fuels you because it's just such it's the highest of highs it's the ultimate thing and it's just wanting to uh, you know wanting to achieve at the, at the highest and they have that experience for the players you're, you're, you're creating things, and Todd and I and Andrew had a conversation before you came on with us, but we were just talking about, you know, this game gives us experiences that nobody can ever take away from you. And regardless of not winning in, in Omaha, whatever, like you said, you, you know, now you're fueled to go forward. But, um, you know, there's, there's so many memories. There's so many pieces that, uh, that come through athletics. And, you know, one, the paramount is developing young men. That's one, but you know, just the uh, you know winning championships and 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 not. I don't know. I'm talking to you, Triple S A and Tin Ring stuff like that on the weekends. I'm talking about you know high school championships, college championships, mm-hmm. pro ball championships. Um, you know, th- those things are just you can you can go back and you can have conversation after conversation with the guys you you were involved with over that period of time. And the stories will get a little bit bigger as yeah. the older you get, but 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 the vibe and the and the sense and the look in the in the eyes of guys that are my age now, sixty four years old, you know that, uh, you know that was fortunate enough to experience certain certain things like that. It's it, it's amazing. So, it's cool that that is, you know, that we see so many different personalities in the game, right? And we see some that are selfish for the game, right? And this, you know, it's human nature. But the ones that are selfless and have the ability to create these experiences with people along the way are the kids back. You know, and those are the things that those are the places where you want your kids to go play. You know, um, because not every kid's gonna get on the field. Right? Not every kid's gonna, you know, be that, you know, that guy at the bottom of the night, but he's gonna be part of that team and, and, and take those things with him forever. Yeah, well I mean Eric's trying to recruit a different kid, right? I mean, just mm-hmm. the thing, if you go to a Clemson game and the national anthem, every single player is standing at attention, sure. hand across the, the chest, yeah. which is extremely important. I mean, military is very important to my family. My first thing my wife said was, you know, this is, they were, these guys were taught the right way, yeah. you know? So that was, that was something. So obviously you're recruiting some different type of player. So Eric, to kind of segue that, like, you know, beyond, you know, spin rates and exit velocity and, bat speed what 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 type of player are you recruiting because you know last week there was kind of this big storm on twitter about you know potentially telling a recruit a pitching recruit you know to benefit himself you know not to to take off starts in his high school team so he'll be prepared for their summer uh, recruiting period like i'm curious your opinion on that and and how you would you know you know think about a recruit doing that I didn't. I didn't see that one, but uh, boy, that's. that's yeah. Um, yeah. I look. There's a lot of good players out there. I mean, and we we tell this to every kid that we recruit, and we go through a full you know PowerPoint in, in our classroom and just what our program is about because we're the we're the exact opposite of the roll the balls out there kind of program. We do a lot of community service. We have a leadership curriculum in our classroom. Um, we start every day in a classroom and just, I'm a big believer. And if you want to have a great team, you got to have a bunch of great teammates. So we are very intentional about building the person and actually not just saying it, but, but doing it and putting action behind it. So yeah, you got to be really good to play at this level. Um, you got to be very physically talented, but you also have to be talented in other ways. And that's where we try to invest the most amount of time is just getting to know 
you know, how these kids have been raised and what type of leader are they in their high school in summer programs? What type of teammate are they? What type of work ethic do they have? All the things, right? Because um, the, the unofficial and official visits, it's like a glorified speed dating. I mean, you're with someone for 24 to 48 hours. You don't really know, you know, much about them in that time period. So you got to do a lot of background and digging and, and finding out and talking to people and talking to coaches and people who know them. And they're doing the same about us. And that's good. That's healthy. Um, but it's that it's that perfect blend of really talented player, but also really good fit for the culture we're trying to build. And everyone says that word culture. I mean, culture takes a long, long time to build. I mean, it took us every minute of 10 years to build a culture at Michigan. We are building one here at Clemson. And the way we do that is just by an environment that we create on a daily basis. And these are the expectations on a daily basis. These are the, the standards that we have on a daily basis that ultimately over time shape this culture and the culture shapes these behaviors, right? But getting the right kid that buys into that is paramount. Um, so we're never going to be the team and the coaches that just, you know, watch a kid, uh, you know, on one day at a showcase and look at a, some metrics and an offer. We're just not doing that. Um, and if we lose a kid because of it, then so be it. Um, but, you know, to, to kind of put this into perspective with the portal, the portal gets, you know, a lot of a lot of positive attention because of the success stories. You know, you got the Paul Skeens and the Tommy Tanks and the guys that have had a ton of success coming out of the portal and tip of the cap to them. That's great. Uh, some of them have made a lot of money for themselves, but most of the kids don't. They lose credit hours, transfer, transferable credit hours. They end up setting themselves back in the pursuit of their degree. They're making a whole new set of friends. Um, and it's it's a big risk. And the, the reason they do it is because kids today, it's a direct correlation of playing time and happiness. Happiness equals playing time, playing time equals happiness. And um, and that's fine. That's just kind of how we've conditioned ourselves in the amateur sports world of baseball nowadays. But uh, it's just not reality. And it's, you know, it's it's hard for a kid coming into the college game to understand that. But it's very easy to just do a quick look back and say, you know, remember when you were a senior in high school just a minute ago? Um, if there was a freshman coming into varsity and was going to take your job, like, was that going to happen? And like, no shot. And I was like, well, that's how all the seniors and juniors feel on our team. So you're not just going to walk in here as a freshman or sophomore and think you're just going to play right. Some do, some are awesome. You know, we've got, we've all got stories of freshman all Americans, but it's not the case. It's just not, not how it normally is. It's not, it's not the standard. Um, and so kids just, you know, there, there's some value in, in, putting the target on improvement and growth and, and just getting better. Um, you know, and so that's like kind of the, as all these preseason rankings keep coming out, you know, we're, we're getting some accolades, but it's like, who cares? Let's be the number one ranked team at getting better. Let's be the best at getting better. And then, you know, all that other stuff will take care of itself. And uh, like, you know, the uncontrollable things like what the lineup's going to be and so forth. So um you know, probably just covered a, a lot there. Well, no, it, yeah, there's, sort of, there's a lot of questions that come out of that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, well, I'm thinking, I'm thinking this, yeah. Eric, is like, you know, with obviously the power, 
the power five or power three or whatever mm -hmm. we call it now. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's a little bit different than a mid-major D2. But how does the NIL at your level affect uh, the portal, the transfers and, and, and kind of where Clemson is? I read an article back in July. Uh, I guess I was written with um, talking about the Clemson NIL. I, I didn't know if that's one of the major factors that you're kind of that you guys are looking at. How, how much time do we have left on this? No. <laughs> we'll roll it, man. I could, there's a I good could, one. We're wide look, open. Look, I can talk about this all day. So there's a real problem, not just baseball, but equivalency sports across the board. Partial scholarship sports, baseball, softball, soccer, all the sports that aren't full scholarship. The NIL dollars aren't, aren't created equal, right? For equivalency sport athletes, let's just stay with baseball right now, who kids who are getting 25%, 30%, 50% scholarships, they're trying to get NIL dollars to pay their bills. They're trying to cover their cost of attendance at their school, right? It's not a pay for play thing. It's a pay your bills thing. That's right. Right. And hey, more power. I'm not against NIL by any stretch of the imagination. I'm, you know, capitalism, you know, free country, all the stuff. And I think if a kid is good enough at a school and, and he and he's established himself and he's got credentials or she's got credentials and they want to monetize their name, image and likeness, then hell yeah, I think it's great. Um, the problem with NIL, there's a couple from an equivalency sport athlete standpoint. One, just like I mentioned, we're trying to pay our bills. The big problem, though, is that the IRS calls that income. Mm -hmm. to those equivalency sport athletes. So they're trying to get cover the gap of what they owe and then they're getting taxed on it, all right? Mm -hmm. Where a, a kid who's on a full scholarship, that scholarship's not income, right? They're not getting taxed on their scholarship. You see what I'm saying? So it's, it's, a, it's, an un, it's a total disparity in those NIL dollars because, you know, it, I don't know why student athletes aren't banging their fists demanding that they be tax exempt for NIL up to the cost of attendance. I think that would be something that would be some low hanging fruit. Um, the other thing is, you know, the IRS stripped all collectives, all NIL initiatives, everything to do with NIL, stripped them of their 501c3 status, which means there's no tax benefit for the donors and the donors are the ones giving the money for NIL. So if a donor's in the 35% tax bracket, they got to now earn $1.35 to give a dollar. So they're being they're giving after tax dollars to a student athlete who receives that dollar and then gets taxed on it as well. What sense does that make? Right. Um, so that's 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 over here on one side. That's problem. And then, you know, with the portal and how NIL has connected to the portal, it's just created a window for tampering. And so the coach isn't going to go to the prospective player on another team and say, hey, I'll give you X amount of dollars if you go into the portal. But somebody is somebody's getting to that kid or that kid's agent or that kid's high school coach or that kid's summer coach and saying, if so-and-so goes into the portal, we'll have this X school will have X amount of dollars for them. And so it's just created this, you know, this really just this slimy, um, you know, just doesn't feel right, lacks integrity, all, all the, you know, negative things you would think of um, that if given the portal, uh, you know, uh, uh, really it was already kind of like, you know, there's some kids that have every every reason and right to go into the portal. They're trying to, you know, trying to play more so they can be happy and they're not going to play at their current school or they're looking to change whatever. But uh, for others, it's just it's attached a negative connotation to it because it's opened this world of tampering up and 
uh, and that's where there's a lot of frustration, uh, you know, because I think people are, you know, making decisions on things that, you know, if, because they feel that pressure you guys alluded to that, that they need to win now and win fast and whatever. And so it's um, it's a part of our game that in all and I'm talking about college athletics here, right. that, that part of it needs to be cleaned up. And uh, Craig Kylitz, the, the president of the American Baseball Coaches Association, we were discussing this, you know, last year. And he said, if you, you know, if college baseball thinks they've got issues, it's not even 5% of what's going on in the big sports of basketball and football. Sure. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, th this is something that could be, could be debated for, uh, in a lot of different directions. Um, the portal isn't bad. Tampering is NIL is good. Um, but when you're looking at kids that are getting taxed on NIL dollars just to pay their cost of attendance, that doesn't seem right. Um, so I would love to see the NCAA come out and say, you know what? It's at the discretion of the institution. They can give scholarships how they want to for all the student athletes. If you're a student athlete in any sport at any school, you know, there's, we're going to take the limitations away and let the schools figure it out. When you talk about the limitations, you're talking about the 11-7? Yeah, talking about scholarship limitations. What? Because everybody's got equivalency sport athletes have limitations in their sport. We as baseball have 11.7. But going back to the donor, Shafe, if I'm hitting you up like I used to hit you up back in the day for money at Maryland, right? <laughs> if I'm hitting you up to say, hey, you know, will you and Venerelli and Miraz and Charity and, and Bob Smith and will you guys help out? You know, we need NIL help. And you guys are like, well, wait a second, you know, it's not a tax break for me. I, this is, I can't give as much because I don't get the tax benefit. But if, if there was no limitations in place, then you could give to scholarships and you could get the tax break, give scholarships. Mm -hmm. And that's where you just, you know, it's, it just makes total sense that if a donor could give to fund scholarships and it'd be a tax benefit, but if they don't get that tax benefit to give to NIL, then, you know, they made so, the, so the institution has to become a nonprofit almost right now mm -hmm. for somebody to donate to the institution, then the institution to pass the money down through scholarship. But if you're giving it to a for-profit institution, which almost right. all colleges are, right. it's uh, it, 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 it well, Shane, every college has a fundraising nonprofit arm. Right. Every everyone does the Terrapin mm -hmm. Club at at Maryland. They, like, if you want to give the facilities, if you want to endow a scholarship, that's all essentially. You, you're you're getting a tax benefit to do that but if if the right now the institution does not have an nil arm associated with it there was some schools are trying to pass laws in their own state to try to get that loophole where they could connect it to their school um you know and so it's yeah right now like every school has a has a development team that it has a whole team of fundraisers that's going out trying to build things and raise money for things and the donors that are giving to that get a tax benefit, but you don't get that tax benefit giving to NIL, but you do get that tax benefit giving to scholarships and then connecting, you know, the equivalency sport athletes are trying to get NIL dollars to pay the cost of what a scholarship would cover. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Which doesn't make a whole lot of sense no. at the end of the day. Um, All right, yeah, so let's yeah. let's let's get off the dark cloud. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna get you get me fired up. Let's get off this dark cloud. Let's talk about the South Carolina Clemson rivalry. Oh, so yeah. you got you got Omaha 
Obviously. Perfect, perfect segue. I don't know, I'm all pissed. Uh, exactly, off. right? <laughs> we got South Carolina guys here. Yeah. yeah so it. now you know. I mean, that's one of the biggest rivalries in the in in the country is uh, is South Carolina Clemson. You don't walk around. Uh, I live in South Carolina, right over yeah. the border. You know, from uh, out of North Carolina, where our studio and our facility is at. But Todd's down in South Carolina. Andrew's down in South Carolina. It's either it's either garnet or it's orange, and. Um, you know, it's it, it's pretty exciting. We've had the uh, Clemson South Carolina game up here at, at Truist Field mm -hmm. for a while. That was just packed the place. Um, but it's uh, you know, it's it, it it's it's intense. So I mean, so when you're talking about we're going to Omaha, we're going to Omaha, but we also got to play South Carolina in a in a in a series. How's that? How's that playing? Oh, it's it's awesome. I mean, it's look. I tell everybody this it's it's the best rivalry in college baseball that i've ever seen and experienced 22 years ago to to last year to what's going to happen this year it's the best rivalry in college baseball so in order to make it an awesome rivalry you have to respect that rivalry and respect it every day this, this is not something that we just talk about the week that we play south carolina we do things on a weekly basis uh, where it is it is mentioned and it is brought up and it is very much front of mind, top of mind all the time, 365, 24-7 around here. And it, I'm sure it is over there as well. Uh, and in college baseball, it's, you know, it's just, it's as good as it gets. You know, it's, you think of all the great rivalries out there from Army, Navy to, to Michigan, Ohio State, uh, to Clemson, South Carolina. And in, for baseball, Clemson, South Carolina is the tippy top of rivalries in college baseball. Yeah, it's an interesting recruiting. Yeah. You know, you have people that grew up Clemson fans and you're trying to get them to be Gamecocks and vice versa. It's well, uh, I think one of his recruits, just thinking of a York County where we live, one of your 24 uh, guys coming in, Dion, Dion Brown. Yeah. His father, Sheldon, was a pretty good football game, player yeah, at, for the Gamecocks. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah. it's a rough dinner. Yeah. Night, I, would I would think, but, um, but how how important is that, Eric? The in-state recruiting, uh, getting in-state kid. I mean, obviously, we have a lot of talent in our area where we are. We got kids in South Carolina. How important is the in-state component to it? It's huge. You got to get the best kids in the state. I would say we're we're um, probably the way we are recruiting and the way we're recruiting moving forward, it's about a 50, 50 blend of the in-state out-of-state kid, because this is such an attractive place from, you know, the bottom of Florida to the top of Maine, uh, as well as into the Midwest. I mean, we're Clemson's a, a national brand with what Dabo Sweeney and the football staff have built here with a football powerhouse uh, and a couple of national championships. I mean, everybody knows the tiger paw now and, in the baseball sea. And, um, and so, yeah, we can, we, we can get into any living room nationwide, but there's this, this huge point of emphasis to, you know, want to keep the best kids in the state of South Carolina coming to Clemson. And so, you know, we'll always go head to head with, with the Gamecocks on the in-state kids as, as you would expect, as we should. And then you have, Coastal Carolina is awesome too. And the, you know, the state, whole state of North Carolina has got a bunch of ranked teams in it as well. Like baseball in the Carolinas, I think it's got the most ranked teams of, you know, you look at those, that this, this region of the country, it is just baseball powerhouse and it's just a hotbed. And so, uh, you know, 
getting kids out of this region is is always going to be the top priority. If you were to like drop a rock in in Lake Hartwell right behind us, which by the way, our our campus borders a lake. I mean, who, yeah. who's got that? <laughs> <laughs> One you don't have to ice skate on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it, if you were to drop a rock in the lake and just watch the ripples, that's that's yeah. kind of the recruiting yeah. model as well. Like we got to be really good in our region, in our state, and then we'll expand from there. And that's what we're doing. We're going after the best of the very best in the state uh, and then looking, you know, all elsewhere as well. Do you guys tap into the recruiting portal at all or the transfer portal? Yeah. So Shafe mentioned it in the intro. I was a JUCO player. The transfer portal, um, I guess, was a thing back then. I mean, you could transfer back then. And then they instituted um, there wasn't a portal. There wasn't a thing to go into, a destination to put your name in. You could transfer if you wanted to. And then. And then it was happening too much. And so then they put in the rule that if you transferred, you had to sit out a year. And so yeah. that, 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 you know, that minimized everybody's wanting to, to jump ship because nobody wanted to sit out a year, but kids have always left. Um, now it's, it's, you know, now it's, there's a place to go, you know, and you can, you, and everybody can see. And I think as college coaches, you know, I, I hope I'm speaking for, the masses here where when you're picking up a transfer whether it be junior college or a portal player you're trying to fill a gap you're trying to plug a hole you're looking for not depth but impact player the reason the portal is the attractive option there over junior college or over anywhere else is because the guy's got division one credentials most of the time or was a superstar at uh, division two or wherever, but most of the transfers that you see these, you know, that are going to these places are guys who are established. You know, we, until this past year, we had never not at Michigan and not here the, uh, the first round, uh, the first summer have ever taken an undergraduate transfer. This was this past summer was the first time we've ever taken an undergrad transfer. And uh, we always gravitated to the graduate transfer. And I love the graduate transfer. And this was kind of something coming out of COVID where everyone had the bonus year. So you had a lot of grad transfers. And I love that guy because he's old and experienced, got a chip on his shoulder because he's still in college baseball and not in pro ball, but he's got one shot, one shot to be a part of a winner. And he's just, I've found that these guys will do anything to make sure they're going out a winner. We have one that uh, that was a grad transfer out of a Division Three that's at Wake Forest and Mitchell Salvino, and you have one um, that uh, I grew up with their family right around the corner from me on Long Island, and that's uh, Andrew Chufo. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's uh, he comes with a New York edge, so he's, uh, he's uh, he had a good career, and um, you know, prior to getting to you, and now he's got two years left. Yeah. He, he's he's a slick slick fielder shape he's yeah, uh, he yeah. yeah he a la so, jeff jafer baby that like, guy say like jafe i hope he hit better than i did <laughs> <laughs> that's what i hope so um oh. yeah but you got you got another guy you got devin parks down there that we were really happy to see yeah. um you guys grab i mean we've watched that kid develop around here and we just couldn't figure out why yeah something was not happening any sooner than uh then it did. And then when you got the job and all of a sudden Devin was there, I'm like, perfect, man. It's yeah. a, it's a good place. A good kid, good family. Yeah, great kid. That That's, that's the epitome of the type of guy that we're, yeah. yeah. he's, he is the ultimate combination of speed and power. 
Yeah. And I love, I love guys that just have a story, you know, and, and for him, it, it wasn't easy growing up and he's had some people right. that have helped his mom out and, you know, he's, yeah. he wouldn't have been able to afford, uh, you know, travel ball and the $20,000 a year to spend to, to play travel ball. And, you know, so he, he hasn't, he hasn't had the same upbringing that a, that a lot of kids have. And so he's just, he's just got a different perspective and it fuels him and it, uh, he is, dynamic explosive and this kid has a chance to be a super and very humble and super. very very humble kid no doubt just 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 a class act and we're just yeah. i mean we're just i'm happy he's down there yeah. we're great happy kid. for everything about him yeah great kid so. um, another another player coach is cam canarella um I, I was fortunate enough to see him play in jupiter two years ago um great kid uh you know i got the Obviously, with working with Blast Motion, got to put a Blast sensor on my bat. He asked me a million questions, um, but soon I saw him play, you know, three innings, and I was like, I guess this kid's going to be pretty good. Um, he's pretty special. Uh, can you give a little insight on Cam? Yeah, it's a, it's as high. If you were to grade a twenty to eighty scale of compete, it's an eighty, right? I mean, he's just it is the ultimate blend of competitive fire with a slow heartbeat while he's doing it. You know, some of these kids are super competitive. They get emotional and then their performance, you know, follows the roller coaster pattern of, of their emotions. But for him, his performance uh, is very consistent because his mentality and his mindset is very consistent as well. Uh, so just the ultimate blend of competitive fire, but, you know, consistent mental performer, almost a plateau across a high level of, of being able to have a slow heartbeat and clear singular and purpose in mind of what he's trying to do and execute a plan and doesn't overthink it and just is got elite bat to ball skills. Uh, and it's just a, just fun to watch. That's great. It's going to be an interesting season. Yeah, yeah for so, sure. Uh, uh, one, one real quick. I know we're, we're, we're already two. Wow. We're two minutes over. Sorry, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, coach. Um, you talked about development, which is obviously uh, extremely important, um, you know, where a lot of colleges probably don't focus on development as much, uh, where you guys do. And I know single handedly, cause obviously you guys are a customer of ours with blast motion. And I mentioned to Shafe before this, I said, you know, they're probably one of our better or best customers mm -hmm. and how they use it. And just, uh, can you give us a little insight on the development part of not just blast, but other technologies that you're using and, and, and how you're using for development and evaluation, um, recruiting if, if so. Yeah, I mean, well, you think about the evolution of baseball over the last 30 years, right? It was the bigger, faster, stronger, you know, steroid era, the 90s, where everyone was in the gym and lifting weights. And then we got into Moneyball and everyone was into, you know, analytics and metrics. And now we're in the tech boom. And we've got, you know, everyone's got a Doppler radar system or, you know, a sensor or something, 3D motion capture. And so you got a lot of kids that are just like overloaded with with information. And a lot of them are like, you know, treading water and not able to go forward or back or up or down or anywhere because it's information overload. And so for us, we like the metrics that we can put the simplicity on the other side of the complexity, so to speak. Right. And so for us, it's about what's the technology that we can communicate it to our players in simple terms, because it's, we're not trying to communicate 
with the biomechanists. We're not trying to communicate with the, the rocket scientist. We're trying to communicate with the 18 to 22 year old who needs to, you know, he maybe he needs a cheat code in five minutes to, to, <laughs> to play good, right? And so, um, so that's what I like about Blast and you and I've talked about this and all the folks at Blast Motion is just anytime you can take speed and time, everybody understands speed and time, right? And if we, we take some of your metrics, because I've told you before, I really like bat speed. I really like time to contact. I really like attack angle. I really like the things that, you know, can a kid can just take a swing and get instant feedback and doesn't need an explanation on right. what that is. Right. Because a lot of kids get so they're so into launch angle, but they're confusing attack angle with launch angle and think launch angle has something to do with their swing. Right. And so they're they're taking these awful uphill swings, trying to hit the ball in the air. But that's not how you hit the ball in the air. Right. And then you got these young kids that are trying to do what, you know, what what uh, Mike Stanton and Aaron Judge do. But they're you know, they're they're five foot six and 100 pounds and they don't have the body strength to have a a positive attack angle of, of 12, right? right. They just can't do it. They need to have a flatter swing. In fact, they might have to still have a little bit of a, of a downswing, you know, because they don't have the body strength to swing uphill yet. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we just put a focus on hitting the ball hard, hit it hard first. And once you hit it hard enough, you can start to elevate it and elevating it. Yeah. has a little bit to do with your swing has a lot to do with pitch selection. Um, but I like simple metrics and I like being able to explain it in simple terms. We call it the pizza friend tries model here. You know, it took my kids snow skiing and we get a, you know, an a lesson and the instructor comes up and says, kids, if you want to stop, you got to snow plow. And everyone's like all the kids and we're all looking like, what the hell is snow plow? Right? <laughs> <laughs> and then another instructor comes up, goes, kids, if you want to stop, make your skis look like a piece of pizza. Yeah. And then every yeah. kid, every kid goes like this. Right. And it's yeah. like, God, that's genius. You know, that's, <laughs> that's how we need to coach. And they're like, if you want to go fast, your skis look like French fries. If you want to yeah. stop, make it pizza. Yeah. That's and great. I'm like, I'm like visual can, processing, man. Visual how, processing. How is can we coach like that? Yeah. Yeah. Showing everything. That's great. That's awesome. So good. Well, Eric, thank you, man. Yeah. We uh we really appreciate the time yeah. uh you spent with us today. A lot of insight. Um I know the boys at Maryland uh are appreciative of your time there. I know the uh the University of Michigan is too, and I think Clemson will uh will feel the same when you decide enough is enough. Um not very many places to go higher than this one, you know. Yeah. So that's right. No, I'm, uh, I'm going to die on the field, Shafe. I, you know what? Yeah, what I know, man. I, I almost did. Don't say that, yeah, dude. Don't, I almost don't say did. That. I stroked out. No, hopefully on. not for a long time. <laughs> I'm laying there. I'm laying there saying, God, I was only kidding, man. I really don't. I'm not ready. <laughs> I didn't mean. I didn't mean today. I meant like. You know, <laughs> That's, right. you know. That's it. So, well, we appreciate yeah. you, man, and good luck down there. We'll see much more of you, That's and. Right. Uh, um, it, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be yeah. fun to watch. And this rivalry is going to get even better now between South Carolina and, and Clemson. So uh, good luck this season, awesome. coach. Thank you. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate we appreciate it. you. Thanks for having me guys. Great to see you all. See all right. Take care. So, yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah. It's good stuff, man. I mean, yeah. listen, he's uh, every job he's had has been a power five job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You 
go go back. I mean, go look at yeah. Coach Leggett was at a small northeastern Western. The Western, Western Carolina yeah. Leclerc was at Western. Yeah. Um, Corbin, I don't know. I don't know that Corbin was at Western, but you just know, go down the list though. But I mean, start at Clemson, go to yeah. Mandy, go to Maryland, go to Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And just and just keep moving. And just win. Yeah, and keep moving. You know. Uh, but you well, can yeah, see- I mean, yeah, he had, he had he had a lot of work to do when he got to Maryland. Yeah, and again, that's that that has been the biggest knock forever that the university just doesn't support the baseball program. Right. And, you know, guys from you know our alumni base like Chiardi and Venerelli and Steve Johnson and guys I can name there that just you know that have been a big part of donating to the program to keep it going. And uh, you know, it's it's had its successes, mm-hmm. but it's always going to have that battle. Yeah. Sure. Um, to compete. I mean, I, you know, I, listen, I posted about Wilmington's indoor facility. Yeah, right. I mean, Wilmington, you know, one of the best facilities in the, in it's the country. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's just gorgeous. Right? right. But you know, they're getting the assistance from the university. We went down <laughs> to the first pitch dinner the other night and, and the AD was out there saying, this is what we're doing to make this a better program where that doesn't happen. And right. It's not but happening. Yeah. And then, and the support out of Clemson or South Carolina or Georgia or wherever, I mean, LSU, I mean, the support and the, and the dollars behind it is just, you know, other than, a, well, yeah. I mean, like, you know, that is different, but again, like you have someone like him, who's, you know, at the forefront, the coach, I mean, you're going to gravitate towards him. I mean, listen, there's been times I'm sure in the last 10, 15 years at Clemson or 20, you know, Alumni weren't happy, or people weren't happy. I think they're pretty happy now. With yeah, I mean, over. I mean, yeah. listen, Wilhelm was there forever. Yeah. That's who. That was who coaching when yeah. I when when I played at Maryland. Um, you know, then you go to Leggett, who everybody loved Jack, and you yeah. know, I, nobody really understood yeah. what happened in the end. Monty is South Carolina guy yeah. that's been around forever, and yeah. you know, it, it didn't work out the way everybody wanted it to work out with him. But he's a good baseball yeah. guy, and he's you know he now sure he's is. at South Carolina. Yeah, and, which is an interesting. You know, that's a you <laughs> yeah. know, I mean, it's uh, he's a guy. That was a great high. I mean. Yamani's great. He is. You know, He's yeah. a baseball rat, man. Yeah. I mean, you just, you know, the, those guys that are just like, yeah. you know, they're rawhide and lace, and that's yeah. and that's that's it. Listen, you everything know, the, works out for a reason. You talked about Schilt not getting, yeah. not getting out. I mean, I think everything works out. You know, at the yeah, end. he did. It's right. funny. Yeah, he did okay. <laughs> he, did, he he did okay, and so, and, and so yeah. did Eric. You know, yeah. and that, you know, and again, that was never my 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 you know. It's, Never my gripe. I mean, when he brings up Bob Turtle Smith, though, that's my gripe. Though, <laughs> you know, because they, you know, the respected Coach Jackson that spent thirty years there, right. never received to the level that he should have received it. And then because this guy comes in with money and he gets his name on the stadium, yeah, not happy. You know, but that's university because they were, you know, they just they're going to yeah. take the dollars and do what they have to do. Unfortunately, you know, and that's yeah. not that's not taking care of the people that have been there. So I've always had the issues with. Uh, Awesome. You know, them. But he, Eric, did a great job. He was there. It was, it was a rebuild program. And, uh, you awesome. know, and no, then Michigan, true. taking Michigan, you know, yeah. telling these guys, listen, championship time, dude. They they did it. They got to Omaha. And, and he lost to Vandy, Vandy in the To final. Corbin. Yeah, to Corbin. Yeah, that was that was an interesting Ironic. press conference. I remember watching yeah. those press conferences, yeah. you know. So, but you could imagine, like, you know, in, 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 in 2002, they're both sitting there going, someday we're going to go head to head in Omaha. Yeah, amazing. You know. Then, well, it's uh, funny. My my senior year, um, we played, you know, Clemson with that staff, two thousand two, yeah. and yeah. just to think, you know, you know, Backage, Sully, yeah. Corbin, yeah, and Leggett. That's pretty. That's yeah. pretty. That's powerful. That's pretty man. legit. Yeah. Those so, are all. Those are all college yeah. Hall of Fame coaches. Yeah. So no, pretty, absolutely. Pretty cool. Good. Sometimes it pays not to be the best player. <laughs> Right, I'm sure he was pretty good. Yeah, but I know he was. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, so, again, we all we all find that we all we we all try to act humble. Yeah, <laughs> we all. Yeah, 
Well, we appreciate everybody yeah. listening to uh, Shave the Baseball Report again. Next week, Next we week, have coach from University of Richmond, Mick Aoki. Yeah, man. Formerly so. of Moorhead State, then before that, Notre Dame and yeah. Boston College. Yeah. Mick is is one of the best. That's going to be a fantastic interview. Good. We're stacking yeah. them up. So yep. uh, hopefully everybody will listen again next Wednesday to the Schaefer Baseball Report. One tool. Thanks, man. Yeah, you got it. All right. And awesome. we will uh, We will check you guys out next week. Peace out. See you guys.